On March the 3rd, 2002, our daughter Sarah was born. It was a great day. Things went just fine with Lisa and the baby. The only problem, because we did not know the gender until that day, is that we didn't have a name for Sarah. That was important. We had several ideas of a name, but when Lisa held her for the first time, none of those names seemed to fit the occasion. So for the first 24 hours or so, we had, quote, baby girl Randall. That was her prescribed name, the one that the nurses referred to her as. It took some time for us to agree that baby girl Randall would eventually be called Sarah Elizabeth. Now, in our family, we all enjoy telling and retelling that story. In fact, we kind of laugh about it. Well, everyone except for Sarah finds great humor in that story. She doesn't seem to enjoy it nearly as much as the rest of us, especially her younger brother. But she rightly asks the question, how did you not know my name? You had nine months. How did you not know? It's a fair question. Now, why does this matter? It matters because our names communicate something about us. They are, in a way, for sure, our identity. Just imagine this morning, if none of us had names and we tried to communicate. Well, as we begin Advent this morning, we're going to see that Jesus had many names and many titles descriptive names hundreds of years before he was actually born, which reveal his majesty as our Savior, including these names that we just read in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Today, we reflect upon Jesus as our Wonderful Counselor. So let me ask you a few questions this morning. And I wonder if anyone here this morning may have any confusion in your life. Or if anyone needs to make an important decision this week. Or maybe has anyone faced some form of disappointment or delusionment from the past week or even the past year. Or maybe this morning someone simply needs some advice about a current opportunity that you share. I suspect all of us could answer either yes to at least one of those or maybe all of those. So what on earth do questions about being confused or in need of advice have to do with Christmas? What do questions like these have to do with Advent and our sanctuary being decorated so beautifully? What do decisions you and I need to make in this week have to do with a baby being born in a manger All those years ago. Well, we're going to see this morning that the arrival of Jesus on this earth in human flesh has everything to do with our day-to-day lives, even here, even now. Why? Because Jesus, our Savior, is our counselor. In this world of confusion, our Savior guides us. This morning, may our hope in Jesus be renewed as we see him as our great counselor. All right, keep your Bibles open to Isaiah chapter 9, and I'll reference Colossians chapter 2 again in just a moment. And be reminded that these Advent Sundays are designed to help us in our waiting. Waiting. 
Does anyone here like to wait? I hope not. I can't stand to wait. And yet the reality is it's so much part of our faith in Christ. Christian waiting, though, is unique. Yes, we are awaiting Jesus to come back and end this curse and make all things right. Amen, amen, and amen. But we've been waiting for this for over 2,000 years. However, this morning, we recognize that we await the completion of his kingdom differently than most things in which we long for. We have one dominant aspect of our waiting, and that changes everything. As we wait for Jesus to return, we recognize the one thing is that that he has come already. Jesus really has been here on this earth. He really did become a man. He really did die as a human. He really did rise from the dead. He really did ascend to heaven. Thus, our waiting is based on events which have already taken place. But in Isaiah's day, we get a description given to a group of people who had not yet witnessed the coming of Christ. He came to this first time with human flesh, and we get this glimpse from Isaiah 9 of what the Messiah would be like, what his character would be like, what his calling would be like. You need to know, and I found this significant in my preparation this week, that these words about the coming of the Messiah were written some 800 years before Mary and Joseph traveled to Bethlehem. 800 years We've been awaiting people for a long time. When Isaiah wrote this account, the Old Testament people of God were facing a horrible enemy. The Assyrians were on the prowl and God's people feared for their lives and for what would become of their nation. And they faced confusion and disbelief. And when they heard these words that this child was coming, what that would give to their heart was hope. Our spiritual ancestors needed hope, and these words gave it. So now us, just like them so many years ago, we need to know there is a plan for our lives. There is guidance along the path in which we walk. There is hope. Hope has not been lost. Why? Because a child was born, and the government is on his shoulders And most critically, in verse 7 of Isaiah 9, the kingship of David continues forever and ever and ever, including today. God's king is on his throne. So for them, the situation would be, even if the Assyrians came and attacked, this child's going to come. And someday he will ultimately triumph, and his kingdom will be forever. And for us, we recognize this child has come, and he will come again. That hope continued for them for 800 years. Hope is a powerful thing. But notice the type of Messiah Jesus was to be. In verse 6, we get these clues. He is the wonderful counselor. The wonderful counselor. How does Jesus affect us today? That's the real question. And that is, we are counseled by our king. Now, connecting this prophecy of Jesus all the way to the New Testament, to Colossians 2, after the time of Christ on earth, after his ascension into heaven, here's what Paul says about him. And pay attention to these words. They're great. In verse 3 of Colossians 2, the Holy Spirit led Paul to say that in Christ are hidden what? All the treasures of wisdom 
and all the treasures of knowledge. Let your imagination go for just a moment to consider who this Jesus is, the possessor of all knowledge and all wisdom. What does our Jesus possess? The one who lives inside of us, the one who is present with us when we gather in his name, the one who is praying for you even right now, what does he possess? All knowledge, all wisdom. Jesus alone has the capacity to fill our minds with the ability to see how to live and understand this world. And may I suggest, with all the confusion, with all the disappointment, with all the opportunities, there is nothing that our heart needs more than the reality that Jesus knows everything. I was thinking about it this week as I was preparing this, and here at TCPC, we have several really, really good counselors. Several. So I thought about their task. They have a hard job. Amen? They have a hard job. Because here's the issue if you're a counselor. How do you know if your counsel is correct at that particular moment? I can only imagine the pressure they must feel. It cannot be easy to be a counselor. And yet Jesus says, as our wonderful counselor, come to me, all who are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. There's no pressure with Jesus. Come, anytime, any issue, come. Come to me. So yes, Christmas has everything to do with the issues that you face today. Christmas has everything to do with our confusion, with our plans, with our questions. Knowing that Jesus came, and when we trust him and put our faith in him, and our sins are removed, and we have his spirit alive inside of us. Knowing that that is all true, I want us to consider briefly both of these terms and how they renew hope in us this morning. And let's consider the word counselor and consider the word wonderful, knowing that Jesus is both. This morning, Jesus is our counselor and Jesus is wonderful. First, how do we understand that Jesus is our counselor today? Well, the idea of counsel is simply that we have the ability to understand. We have the ability to see. We have the ability to know. We have the ability to make decisions. We see this throughout the Bible that God grants this ability to people. In the Old Testament, we saw that Joseph was granted unusual ability to understand how to store up grain for a drought. That was counsel. Or Solomon, who was given ability to make wise choices and see through the manipulation of people. That was God's counsel. Or Daniel, who was granted ability to help kings understand confusion. That was God's counsel. In many ways, the Bible is a story of wisdom, of his wisdom being given to us. Thus, to understand Jesus as our counselor is to understand the one who imparts wisdom to us is the fulfillment of all the Bible. The nature of Jesus is not that he was just the smartest person on earth. He was that. But that misses the miracle of Christmas. The nature of Jesus as our counselor is that Jesus proceeds from the Father so that in this man, he does not just possess wisdom. Jesus is wisdom. It's not just what Jesus knows. It's who Jesus 
is. Do you see the amount of trust you can have in Jesus this morning? Imagine going later this week to meet with a counselor. It's a good practice. I highly recommend it for all of us. What is your hope in that moment? Our hope is that the counsel we receive will be helpful. It'll be good, even if it's hard, even if it's difficult. It's worth it if it's right. Jesus' counsel comes to us as the very wisdom which created the world. You see, Jesus is the author of the story. He's the king. Now, I suspect some of us might be asking some hard questions right now. If Jesus is wisdom and I've trusted him, then how on earth do we explain this? How on earth do we explain these diseases? How on earth do we explain these circumstances? How on earth do we explain another act of evil? Seriously, why do we trust him and yet we still have confusion and hurt? How do we make sense of unexplainable evil when our king has all wisdom and all knowledge? Charles Spurgeon, the great British pastor of the 19th century, said this about Jesus being our wonderful counselor. He said this about our lives. How strange providence is. Providence is that is God's control over the world. How strange providence is to you and me. Does it not seem like a zigzag line? That our lives going this way and that, backward and forward, just like the children of Israel in the wilderness. Doesn't it often feel that way? That our lives often feel like they're going this way and that way at the same time. When we wait, when there are no apparent answers, when it feels like we continue to pray for the same thing and we feel like there's no answer. When it feels like prayers are continually unanswered. Spurgeon concludes this about the zigzag of our life. He says, ah, but to God, it's all been a straight line. Let's leave providence into the hands of our great counselor. You see, Jesus is wisdom. He brought wisdom to us. A day will come when he returns that all we will know will be his wisdom. So why can we trust his counsel today when we're confused? It's because of who he is. He is wisdom. Our Savior is God's wisdom. His name communicates to us. You see this morning in heaven, our Lord is not confused. We may be confused here on earth about the economy, about government leaders, about our future. Whatever the case may be, he is not confused. So let me ask you the simple question. Do you trust Jesus' wisdom? Do you believe he is our counselor? Do you believe that he really is writing a story in which you can trust that you don't know the answer? Do you really believe that he is at work? Our hope is found in that Jesus is our counselor. May we listen to our counselor. Or secondly, that's Jesus as our counselor. Now consider the type of counselor he is. Let's consider this other term, and that is Jesus is wonderful. 
When you hear the word wonderful, what comes to your mind? I know for me, it usually is a description of something that I really like. I think a nap is wonderful. Amen? Amen. I saw the sanctuary being decorated this week, and I thought, it looks great. It's wonderful. I watched Reed Shepard on TV yesterday, and I remember his dad, and I thought, it's wonderful that he's better than his dad, even as a freshman. See, that use of wonderful, though it's common for us and it's how we use the word, that's not what the Bible means by wonderful. That's not the original language. The actual term wonderful is a noun. It is not an adjective. Wonderful is used throughout the Old Testament. It's the reality that a miracle has taken place. It's an action of God that is not comprehensible to mankind. It's something we can't do. Remember the story of Moses in the book of Exodus? When God parted the waters of the Red Sea in Egypt and the people of God fled from Pharaoh and then the waters crashed upon the Egyptian army at the exact right time and killed all of God's enemies. After seeing that miracle take place, after seeing their deliverance out of slavery and their enemy destroyed, Moses sang a song about what he had experienced of the Lord and this is how he, what he said. He said, who is like you, O Lord? Who is like you working wonders? Wonders. It was an act. It was a declaration. God's miraculous action was a wonder, an indescribable act of God that we can't produce. When Jesus said, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you, it was a wonder. These words are an incomprehensible act of God. You know, this really is the whole sermon right here. Do you see the power of your Bible? Seriously. The whole story, from creation to final redemption, the fact that we have it, the fact that we know it, it's a miracle. In Christ, we have incomprehensible wisdom as God's gift to us. Because Jesus came and gave us his spirit, even in the midst of unexplainable evil and horrendous diseases, of course we still have hope. Of course we do. Of course, even in sadness, we have his counsel. Our counsel today in the midst of whatever we are facing is that Jesus is going to return and finish his work And there will be a day when all confusion, brokenness, death, and sin are gone forever. And this is why we celebrate Advent. This is why today we celebrate hope. This is why we remember the fact that we are awaiting people. Our hope is alive and thus his counsel is true. You really can trust the words from the one who knows and loves you. Friends, yes, we are waiting Jesus to return, but we're not lost along the way. We are not. We are not ultimately confused. We are not ultimately aimless. We have supernatural counsel from our Savior even today. Jesus is our wonderful counselor. It's a miracle. I want to close with a couple of points of application, and then we'll come to the table. 
I suspect most of us agree with the content that Jesus is our wonderful counselor. We talk about it every year. My question, though, is how do we appropriate that counsel? What do we do with it? How do we receive his counsel? Well, in fact, there are many ways. I just want to mention two of them. As I prepared for this sermon, I kept thinking of a verse in Matthew chapter 7. This is where Jesus, as our great, wonderful counselor, taught us something. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said, To ask, and it will be given to you. To ask, to ask him in regard to our father giving good gifts to his children. To ask, and he will give. To seek, and you will find. To knock, and the door will be be answered. What does God want for us today in regard to this counsel of his? He wants us to pray. Two points of application. This year during Advent, will you pray God's scriptures in your life? That is to open God's word, to read through the gospels, to read through the book of Psalms throughout the month of December and take these words and promises and make them your prayers, to make them personal. For example, when you read Psalm 34 and hear that the Lord is good and that blessed is the one who trusts in him, then pray, oh God, help me to trust. Oh God, help me to believe. Oh God, thank you that ultimately you are good. There's power for hope when we pray the word. Jesus' word is our counsel. Pray to your father using his word. But then secondly, not just pray the scriptures. During Advent this year, pray with others. Seriously. Let other people into your life to such a level that you'll pray together. If you've never done this before, I promise it is gloriously awkward. Perhaps your peers group, perhaps your friends. If you don't have a peers group, if you don't have friends, call the elders of the church. If you don't know the elders, call me and I will send the elders to you. They'll be honored to pray with you. But when a group gathers in the name of Jesus, he is with us. And his counsel will be made known. Pray the scriptures. Pray with your brothers and sisters. Why? Why? Because of the name of Jesus. Who is he? Who is our savior? Who is this Messiah? His name reveals his character. Your savior gives you miraculous counsel. His words are true. He does not make mistakes. You can go to him and trust him. Church, he wants to be our counselor today. He is our counselor today. Go to him. Yes, it did take us a day or so to determine Sarah's name. It makes for a good story a couple times a year. And yes, we trust that ultimately it was the best name for her. Jesus has been our wonderful counselor for all of eternity. All of eternity past, all of eternity future, and today. This has always been who our Savior is. Thus, when he went to the cross for us as our great counselor, as the one who possessed all knowledge and all wisdom, he knew our need was for him to go to the cross. That our need was for our sin to be placed upon him 
and for his righteousness to be placed upon us. His wonderful counselor to us this Advent season is this. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. It's who we need. It's who he is. It's what he has done. Let's go to him and celebrate the hope we have in Christ. Amen. Amen. Let's prepare now to come to his table and be fed by him again this week. I'll pray and transition us to the Lord's Prayer. Father, as we consider these words this morning, help us to see the miracle that is the truth of your gospel. Help us to see the miracle that is your promises to us in Christ. Help us to behold the mystery that is before us that Jesus became flesh, took on flesh, became one of us. Whatever we are facing, oh Jesus, you can relate to us. Grow our hope in you this morning, we pray. And now we pray, oh God, as your son, our great counselor, taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.